Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. the worship this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 and 6. If you would like to turn to that in your Bibles, that uh, again is Isaiah 9, verse 2 and verse 6. These are powerful words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we come to understand people by their names and their titles, and King David, the man after God's own heart, is better understood by a study of his various names and titles. Knowing David um, is sort of described as a, a shepherd a warrior, a king, a, a poet, a musician, and it helps us to understand his character and gives us insight into David the man. Well, maybe this helps to illustrate why God has so many names in Scripture. Just as white light is made up of seven different rays of colors, well, so God is made up of, of different attributes that are illuminated by his different names. And during this Advent season, we're going to take each of those names one at a time. And the first of them, it was spoken right in that scripture, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Let's pray this morning. Father, it's ours as a privilege to be worshiping you here this morning, and we know that uh, you are here with us, and we're ready to hear the message you've inspired for us to hear, Lord. As we enter into this Advent season, Lord, help us to be mindful of the 
phenomenal and overwhelming gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that he came, though we are completely undeserving, to forgive us and to give us an opportunity to experience the, the incredible gift of heaven and eternal life there with you. Open our hearts today, Lord, and help us to be mindful of the message that you've given to us to hear this morning. And Father, for those who are here who have not ever heard that message before, let that person be so inspired that they might want to walk that closer walk with you. For it's in your name that we ask these things. Amen. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He comes the broken heart to bind, the wounded soul to cure, and with the treasures of his grace to enrich the humble poor. God has provided us with a wonderful counselor, and we celebrate his coming with the lighting of our first Advent candle. Good morning. We're going to sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and we're going to sing it straight through. <coughs>
of reading. <clears throat> While it is clear that Isaiah was predicting a coming world leader and the inevitability of the messianic age, Isaiah was actually predicting the arrival of the Son of God. Prophetically, Isaiah saw the day when a son of Israel would bear upon his shoulder the weight of the world leadership. In chapter 2, Isaiah predicted that in the last days the house of the Lord would be established in Jerusalem. The Lord himself will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will lead their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Those who have bowed their knee to this coming Messiah and Lord can find present encouragement in that future day. We can see in God's Messiah a real Lord who can carry the combined weight of all human problems. Inexpressible comfort can be found as we discover that the shoulders, which will someday carry the governments of the world, are large enough to bear any personal weight or burden that we bring to him now. Hebrew names are different, are significant. The prophet used a marvelously descriptive set of names to unfold the very essence of the person of the Messiah. The name Wonderful Counselor literally translates a wonder of a counselor. But, that does, but what does that mean? The first is the word wonderful. The Hebrew word pala indicates something uncommon or out of the ordinary. The same Hebrew word is used in Psalm 139.6 in just this way. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to attain. It is something miraculous. The problem is that we have a low view of the miraculous and therefore a limited sense of wonder. A real wonder is something beyond human explanation. And the prophet Isaiah declared that the coming child and son would be a wonder. This not only describes what he does, it also describes who he is. The second part of this compound description of the coming Messiah is counselor. Long before the child was ever born, long before the son was, ever, was given, Isaiah foretold that God was planning to send a counselor for the broken-hearted people of the world. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And long after Jesus' entrance into the world, we can see that he personified the kind of counsel that will go out from Jerusalem in the last days. All this comes from the Lord. Wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. When you take all that we know about Christ, it adds up to a marvelous truth. He is the God who is, and who is called a wonderful counselor. Last night, we had a great and wonderful opportunity to take another step in the vision that God has given to the Salvation Army, and that is to build a choice pantry and food distribution center on the Beecher Core site. Now we're not there yet. The timing is in the Lord's hands. But this gentleman right here is, he's the man that's responsible to raise this million and a half. Okay. And we had an opportunity to bring to our community in this great concert of, of hope and joy last night, the music. But that was not the point. The point of the concert was to bring awareness and the band and the choir did an excellent job and we're grateful for the people that were there and part of that process. And the word will spread out. The word will spread out throughout the community about this project and we will see great things happening. Why? Because it is a vision from the Lord and the Holy Spirit is working in this project. We trust that, claim it, promise that, and please pray for that. Now. We have to spread, though, into a different direction. And that is the Christmas effort hits us in December. Whoa, December is tomorrow. And as a result, we have 10 
occasions where the band will be out, I say the band, band ensemble, small group out of the band at either Genesee Valley or Cortland Center. And a new location is on the bulletin board right outside the sanctuary across from the library. Yes, that is the library. And people, we need three, we need three people to help us. People that can say, thank you, yes, smile, and do all those good things to communicate with the people that are putting money into the barrel. And so if you can help us on any of those dates, if you're in uniform, great. If you're not, we supply the red volunteer apron. But the most important thing is that we are reaching out into our community, folks. We are reaching out people who are struggling in various ways, and that's what this is all about. So that starts this Friday. Yes, this Friday. And then Friday and Saturday, and then next Sunday, the band and songsters go to Goodrich United Methodist Church, put on a Christmas concert, and the proceeds from that, again, go to the Christmas effort. So thank you for your prayers and what you bring to the table, because it's us being hands and feet. Did you remember hearing that last week from Captain John? Hands and feet. And so as we do this, as it tells us right now, when, when you do it, you are doing it for the Lord and you're, you are his representatives. And keep hanging in there because that million and a half is gonna come.
as has been uh, introduced, this Advent season, we're going to be looking at um, all of the different names given for Jesus. Now, in my house, when you use more than one name for a person, it means they're in trouble. And the more names you include in there, probably the worse it is. But um, it's not that way when we're talking about the names of Jesus, because names for God, names for Jesus, tell us something special about his character, something a new understanding of, of his infinity, of who he is. So I hope you will uh, benefit from, from maybe looking at this Advent season from a little bit different angle. Jim was born on a farm near Hamilton, Missouri in 1875. His father was a poor farmer and a part-time pastor, and, and they struggled as many folks did back in that day, just to, to make ends meet. Despite the hard life that they lived, um, Jim's father taught him about integrity, taught him about hard work, trust, faith, and living by the golden rule. That was very important to him, that a person live by the golden rule. After a few years... Um, after Jim was born, the family moved into town so that the older kids could attend high school. Jim learned what it was to work hard because they kept the farm, so he had to do his work out at the farm. He had to go to school. And when, his, when he was eight years old, his dad made him pay for his own clothing because money was so scarce, and he really wanted Jim to... Um, to understand the value of a dollar. So Jim raised livestock and sold the livestock until the neighbors complained about the noise and the smell. As Jim grew into manhood, he got a job in a dry goods store, and he really showed promise. He really um, took to it and did very well. At the age of 22, he moved out to Denver for health reasons, as doctors recommended a drier climate. And at age 24, two retailers in Denver recognized Jim's skills, and they asked Jim to become a partner with them. As a result, Jim moved to Wyoming to open a new dry goods store, and they decided to call it the Golden Rule. Despite many challenges, the store was a great success. Jim did an excellent job. And after two more stores were opened, Jim decided to buy out his partners. And within 15 years, he had expanded that business of two stores to 175 stores. Jim's early success came from the good counsel of his father his father who had instilled those values in him, the importance of self-reliance, self-discipline, honor, and education. And the name of these stores really summed it all up, the golden rule, treating others the way you want to be treated. That was the foundation not just of Jim's business, but it was the foundation of his life. And, and living by that golden rule brought him great success. The wisdom and teaching and counsel of Jim's father and of the scriptures helped him to make good decisions. Well, we're going to come back to Jim a little bit later. Um, but as I've said, these next five weeks of Advent, we're going to focus on the names of Jesus and Specifically, we're going to focus on the names of Jesus as recorded in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what that passage says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This morning, we're going to consider that first title given to Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. You know, counseling is very popular today. And uh, we get kind of bombarded, maybe over, overwhelmed sometimes, with people offering their wisdom. There's, there's Dr. Phil, and there's 
Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Laura and a multitude of daytime talk show hosts who are um, very uh, willing and ready to give you their counsel, to give you their advice. And millions of people seek their advice, watch their programs, write them letters, give them phone calls. In addition, uh, self-help books are some of the most popular books sold. It seems that people are in search of wise counsel. And you know, that isn't a bad thing. The Bible encourages us to seek advice, to seek counsel. Proverbs 1.5 says, As a man will hear an increase in learning, I'm sorry, a wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So really the question for us is not whether we should seek advice, but whom we should seek it from. Isaiah 9, 6 reminds us that as believers we have access to the most wonderful counselor imaginable, the Lord Jesus Christ. Later in the same book of Isaiah, we find that the author speaks of Jesus again. He makes reference when he says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Powerful scripture. Psalm 3311 goes on to say, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. That's the source that we go to for this wonderful counsel. Jesus is eminently qualified to be a wonderful counselor. And with many of the difficulties that people face in life, um, a lot of those could be averted if they would only seek his advice, if they would only seek him before making decisions. But when we forget his counsel, when we fail to follow his leading, disaster is almost sure to follow. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jim. His stores, as I, as I said, were a great success. And he accumulated a vast amount of financial wealth. And so one day, he decided that he would change the name of his stores from the Golden Rule store and uh, instead give it his last name. Well, by the late 1920s, Jim's success was so great that he really kind of thought he was invincible. Um, it, it had kind of gone to his head. In 1924, he opened his 500th store in his hometown of Hamilton, and he opened it in the very same building where he had started his retail career just out of high school. Um, that's pretty amazing. We're talking back in the 1920s, 500 stores. Jim became so convinced of his own wisdom and ability that he actually stopped taking a salary from the store and stepped away from the business because he was going to make a new fortune in another way, in another venue. Among other things, um, in Florida, he started a dairy. He became an investor in a savings and loan in Miami and, and bought thousands of acres of land to grow produce. His plan was to um, get the produce to market faster. Um, he was really on the cutting edge of becoming what we think of today as a supermarket. But, you know, for all of his wisdom, Jim was on very shaky ground. He had forgotten the wisdom that his father had taught him. Not only had he stopped naming his stores the Golden Rule Store, but he had stopped living by that Golden Rule as well. It was now 1929, and you know what that means, don't you? 1929? The stock market crashed, and so did Jim's wealth. The newspaper in South Florida blasted him when his savings and loan went bankrupt. Out of a 
sense of guilt and empathy, he sold many of his assets to, to try to give some money to the people who had lost so much when the bank went under. By 1931, the financial battle was over and Jim had lost. He was financially, emotionally, and spiritually broke. He had gone from, from being one of the wealthiest men, from being a king to being a, a pauper in the matter of about two years. Where had he gone wrong? What had he done to deserve such devastation? He searched in vain to try and find answers, to try and understand, but he came up empty. As Jim sank lower and lower into depression, a physician friend recommended that he check himself into a sanitarium that was, interestingly, located in Battle Creek, Michigan, um, so that he could get rest and he could get treatment for this collapse, this breakdown. It seems that Jim had lost complete touch with the wonderful counselor he had known as a young man growing up, whose principles for life had brought him such great success. Now, here's the truth. There is a wisdom that is um, of this world that's not from God, not at all the counsel of our wonderful counselor. And Isaiah 9, 6 tells us that we have this wonderful counselor, but what is it that makes him so wonderful? Well, first of all, Know that as our wonderful counselor, Jesus understands our struggles. In Hebrews chapter 4, we find this verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. You see, Jesus, he gets it. Jesus understands. Now, well-intended people, maybe you've gone through a difficult time and people say, I know what you're going through. I know just what you're going through. But do they really know? Do they really? Do they really know what you're going through? How can they possibly understand your problems? But I want you to know this morning, Jesus understands. He knows exactly what we're going through. And when we come to him for counsel, his direction is perfect because he understands our situation. He understands it better than we do. He understands our own motivations better than we do. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He created us. Another characteristic that makes Jesus a wonderful counselor is that he truly cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, some counselors you go to in, in the world, they care for you as long as you pay your bill. When you don't pay your bill, they turn it over to someone to uh, add to your depression by uh, seeking payment, but not Jesus. He cares about you. He cares about me as an individual, as a person. He considers each one of us of infinite worth and value because he created us. Look at what it says in Matthew 6, 26. Jesus is speaking and he says, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? You see, God won't turn his back on us. He cares for us. And that leads us to a third characteristic of Jesus, our wonderful counselor. He commits himself to us. In fact, he is so committed to us, he wants to have a personal relationship with us. John 10.27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
Jesus knows us individually. And, and this verse would say he speaks to us, that we know his voice. One way that um, he speaks to us and counsels us is through the Bible, through the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You know, when we get in that place in life and we start neglecting the Word of God, then we fail to hear His voice in Scriptures. We, we silence His voice as He would speak to us from those holy writings. Jesus knows us and He speaks to us. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now you may say, hey, I've never heard the Holy Spirit um, talk to me. I've never heard his voice. You know, and it's probably true. Most of us probably have not heard an audible voice. But don't be too quick to jump to the conclusion that you've never heard the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever done something wrong, something you know you shouldn't have done, and then felt guilty about it? Good. That's a, that, is a, that is a good thing. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, letting you know that you've strayed into an area you ought not stray into. Part of his job is to keep us on track, to remind us, to um, prompt us back onto the right path and he does that by bringing conviction and he ties that in often with the reading of of scripture because we read God's truth and then the Holy Spirit um, applies that to our own life to our own situation another way God speaks to us is through the church he can speak to us through the church as an organization but more importantly I think through fellow believers the church is to be a community where we can be open and honest about our struggles. How many of you feel comfortable being open and honest about your struggles? Yeah, all right, major. I'm not asking for testimonies, though. That, that is what the church, the body, the um, fellowship of believers is intended to be. I know sometimes we, we, we protect ourselves because... Sometimes the church with a small c fails us. But God does speak through fellow believers. It should be a place here at the Flint Citadel where we can work together to overcome our problems, not a place where we hide the fact that we have problems, that we have struggles, or that we have doubts. A place where God can speak to us through one another. And I think that's something we, we need to work on, becoming a place where we're more comfortable uh, sharing, not with everyone during testimony time necessarily, but with trusted friends, trusted believers. Proverbs has this to say about advice. And this is from the Message Bible translation. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. So seek out sound advice. Find a fellow believer who is living a God-honoring life and seek their counsel. God can use other believers to speak to you. It is a legitimate way God speaks. Now let me finish this story I've been telling. It's a true story about Jim. He found great success by following wise counsel, the counsel his father gave him by living according to the golden rule. But once he became successful, he started to seek his own counsel. He started to think he was pretty smart, and he failed. He failed big time. One night while he was at the sanitarium, Jim became convinced that he was going to die. He thought he was going to die that night, and he thought he was going to die a defeated man. 
So he wrote a letter to his wife and children asking for their forgiveness and their understanding um, about what was about to happen. And he spent that night in torment, in anguish. Even though he felt he was going to die, he was searching for some sign from God that his life had some meaning, that there had been some purpose in it. But you know what? Finally, the dawn came. He didn't die. He survived the night. But it was only to face another dreaded day. In kind of a weakened stupor, he uh, wandered down one of the hallways of the sanitarium, and he was truly a lost soul in every respect, in every way a person can be lost. He was lost. It was in this wretched, defeated condition that Jim was finally ready to listen again to his wonderful counselor, to begin to find lasting answers to the problems in his life. Here's how he later described the experience in his own words. I passed a parlor in the sanitarium and heard a choir singing, God will take care of you. A few people had gathered in, a, in the religious meeting and I felt urged to enter. In great weariness of spirit, I listened to the hymns, to the scripture reading and to the prayers. Then a profound sense of inner release came over me. I was amazed at my change and in the days that followed, I regained mental and bodily health. Perhaps the feeling of death that night was a symptom of a new beginning born in me. In his powerful encounter with a wonderful counselor, Jim gained some insights that no human counselor could have ever uncovered. And if you want to know what those insights are, you'll have to read his biography because I don't have time to tell you them. Just let me say that Jim heard from the Lord exactly what he needed to hear. A few days later, Jim, that is James Cash Penny, who we know as J.C. Penny, left that institution a new man. He vowed that what remained of his life would be given 100% completely to God. And he did so for 40 years years until he was 97 years old. He died in like 1973 or 1971. He used his influence, he used his skills, and um, his service as an ambassador pointing folks to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. You know, Isaiah had it right. We have a wonderful counselor in the Lord. And I wonder this morning, do you know him? Do you know this wonderful counselor? If you know him or if you've known him, have you wandered from him? Have you really ceased to follow his teachings, to follow his counsel? Are you starting instead to follow your own plan, your own wisdom? As we start our Advent journey towards Christmas, I challenge you, I challenge you this morning to make an appointment with the wonderful counselor this week. Sit down with him. Grab your Bible. Open your heart up to him. Tell him what's going on in your life, where you're struggling, where you're doubting. Just lay it all out before him. Believe me, there's no heartache that he can't mend. There's no problem that he can't solve. It, it doesn't have to be a big problem, but it can be. There's no problem too big. There's no, no problem too small that he can't solve it. There's no sin that he can't forgive. No tangled mess that he can't unwind, untangle. And some of us are really good at making tangled messes of our lives and yeah, maybe we can't untangle him, but the Lord can. Why? How can he do this? He's our wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for who you are. Lord, we give you all kinds of names and titles. Your, the scriptures give us information about you. We learn about you through the titles that have been given, but... 
But Lord, we know you're far more than whatever labels we can attach to you. You are the infinite God. You are our creator, our savior. You hold our lives in your hands and our futures as well. Lord, this morning you have reminded us that we would do well to seek your counsel. We would do well to uh, lay our plans before you and, and ask you to um, guide us, to direct us through your word, through the Holy Spirit who lives within us, through those um, godly people you've placed around us. Lord, might you just confirm that direction through those sources and any other, any other ways, Lord, you might choose to speak. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who might be here today who maybe thinks their life is a bit of a, a tangled mess, maybe someone who, who has walked in obedience to you in the past, maybe as a child, but Lord, um, in adult years, has, has really not taken your counsel, instead has made decisions based on their own wisdom. God, I pray that today would be the day, this first Sunday in Advent, that we would turn to you and we would seek your counsel again. Lord, untangle the mess we've made. Lord, uh, forgive the sins that, that we have committed as we, as we speak them to you. And, and Lord, for our part, we repent of those, um, those sinful ways. And God, I just pray that, that we might uh, be able to step out with confidence because, Lord, we know that you go before us and you prepare our way. So God, um, thank you for being our wonderful counselor. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, today we seek you. And Lord, um, we ask that uh, we might find you, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Bursley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.